Hey, kids, we're a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. Sucks to be you, sucks to be you, sucks to be you, sucks to be you, sucks to be you. That's right. We're the podcast that explores the animated sitcom The Simpsons from seasons 11 and beyond. Why 11 and beyond, you ask? Well, we know that there are other podcasts that explore the golden age, that seasons 1 through 10, and we want to look beyond them to look at the newer episodes. Some of those newer episodes being, you know, like 20 years old. But I cannot do this alone because I'm only half an annoyed grunt boy. My name's Steve and I need help. So with me, as always, is my other half annoyed grunt boy, Craig. Hey, Craig. How have you been this week? I've been good. You know, things are going back to normal somehow. Rapidly. (laughs) Maybe too rapidly, one would argue. But yeah, I'm just uh, doing what I do. And, uh, you know, I did do some uh, magical science, though, that I'd like to talk about quickly. Mm -hmm. So in the 1800s, there was a sea captain named Horatio Crunch. And he went through the ranks of the military. And finally, he started making cereal. And he started with one cereal called Captain Crunch, named after himself. And then he came out with Crunch Berries and then a slew of other varieties, including Peanut Butter Crunch. I won't go through the 30 plus years of over 20 different varieties of Captain Crunch. But in the 90s, they came out with a thing called Oops All Berries, which was Captain Crunch without the Captain Crunch, just the Crunch Berries. And so I had an idea that came to me in in the night, like a dream. And it woke me up and I just, it was something that I needed to do. So I went to a grocery store and I bought Oops All Berries and Peanut Butter Crunch. And I combined them to make like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich cereal. And it's great. Yeah, well, you'd think they would have uh, done something like that. But I know you told me about them. Like, how have they not taken the peanut butter and then the berries? It just seems logical. It seems so obvious that I don't understand how they haven't done it. And I looked and they've never tried it. Huh. Who is that? Uh, General Mills, who owns Captain Crunch? Yeah, I think that's how the ranking goes. <laughs> I'm just kind of, you know, how how old is Captain Crunch now? And he hasn't been promoted to Admiral yet. Yeah, and, you know, he he's fought those soggies off <laughs> several times. He's always won the battle against the roof of my mouth, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know, speaking of peanut butter and jelly combination, there was like, I think it's Simply Almond or not Simply Almond. It's like an almond chocolate dipped almond like company like mm-hmm. skinny almond maybe it's called i don't know but uh, they have a peanut butter and jelly one too where it's like it's coated in like a peanut butter jelly almond but then it tastes just like a peanut butter jelly sandwich is crazy mm, that sounds like fun it is fun yeah i'll eat that it's funny how like as adults we're trying to find a different texture form for a peanut butter and jelly Right. The good peanut butter and jelly is just right there. Yeah. And, you know, you know, it's going to work every time. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's probably peanut butter and jelly ice cream. And if there's not, it sounds pretty good. That does sound good. Remember when Uncrustables came out? Mm-hmm. Like just eating an Uncrustable, like that was the stupidest thing. Why would you make a frozen peanut butter and jelly sandwich that you have to like heat up? <laughs> right. But when you just buy it and eat it as like an ice cream sandwich, it's the best thing. It's really good. It, it's shameful how much I like that. Uh, like if it gets like slightly warm, it's like it doesn't it, it ruins the purpose. It needs to be frozen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't I wouldn't want it in for its uh, intended purpose because it's just not it's then it's just kind of an OK peanut butter jelly sandwich. But when it's frozen, it's magical. It's like uh, Pop-Tarts, right? Like most people like you're supposed to put them in the toaster, but most people just eat them out of the foil. Mm-hmm. I was more of a toasted guy. I didn't really like cold Pop-Tarts. No, it reminds me of school because I remember like the vending machines in school would always sell Pop-Tarts and kids yeah. would just eat them straight from the yeah. machine. And it's just, yeah, it's it's not living up to its full potential. And I was never really a, a Pop-Tart guy. 
because they the, the flavor gets kind of like after a while you're just like uh, grossed out and annoyed by it yeah i agree it, they're they're a good sometime treat like if you haven't had one like a year and you get a hot strawberry one with the frost frosting it's good but i wouldn't want it all the time and there's so many selections now like going to the supermarket like there's pretzel versions now and yeah and there's just too many to choose from i i'm gonna i'm gonna make it a pass i was more of a, a toaster strudel kind of guy yeah that they were definitely superior i just like white viscous creamy <laughs> texture on my in my mouth yeah i mean who doesn't you know what we do like to put in our mouth steve <gasps> what's that Craig? cold frosty milkshake you're nuts in my face really it's a beer steve you promised us a, a, a sour last week in our yes, Simpsons beer corner. If you've just uh, tuned in for the very first time, we like to discuss what beverage we're going to drink while we watch this episode of The Simpsons. And uh, today is uh, this episode is like just like the other ones. We're gonna do the same thing because That's right. Homer loves uh, beer, so we love beer. This is true. And uh, as as you mentioned, I did promise a sour beer, and I did not disappoint. Um, so I have from Prairie Artisan Ales out of uh, Oklahoma. It is called Cocoa Berry uh, Imperial Pastry Sour. It is a sour ale with orange, lemon, lime, raspberry, blueberry, grapefruit, cacao nibs, and toasted marshmallow flavor. It comes in at uh, 7.9%. So Prairie, they always have the most amazing artwork. Uh, this shows like cartoons of two dyes with different faced fruit on them on a black and white background. But it's very nice. And also Prairie only seems to make sours and stouts and their stouts are always like at 14% and they have like a million things going on. And they're always really delicious. They have one that tastes like cake. It just tastes like cake. It's amazing. But this is a cocoa berry imperial pastry stout and it is a pouring it into a glass. It is a very vibrant red color and I'm going to take a sip. Oh, it is a little sour taste. <laughs> Speaking of cereal, uh, just like Lucky Charms. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. Um, but it tastes almost like What's weird is it doesn't taste just like the marshmallows. It tastes like the what some people call the wood of the Lucky Charms too. Like it's the whole experience. It's very very the, good. The alphabets. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, I recommend this. Uh, it's not like what we normally because we've been normally doing a lot of stouts and porters, but uh, yeah, this is something different, and I am here for it. I'm not a big uh, sour person, but uh, I'm a sour person, but I'm not a sour beer fan. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I think you sold me on that. Plus, looking at the uh, the can itself, there it's very kid friendly. If I was a kid, I would want to drink the hell out of that. It's got a little yep. cute cartoons on it. And what's funny is once you open it up and it's like that color, and you take a sip and it tastes like candy. You, you know what I just realized? This is the perfect Saturday morning beer. You can watch <laughs> cartoons and drink this beer. There you go. Watch some Simpsons. All right. What about you, Craig? What do you have for us? Well, today we're going with uh, a non-sour beer. Steve, I'm going to be a badass. Ooh. Because I found this beer. It's called Quilter's Irish Death. So <laughs> looking at the can, I will admit that uh, the skull and crossbones, very scary. <laughs> Irish death sounds haunting, but Quilters kind of takes some of the edge off. Well, Steve, there's a reason why it's called Quilters. It's uh, it's brewed by um, Iron Horse Brewery in Ellensburg, Washington. Oh. But it's uh, Quilters Irish Death because it's named after the uh, the founder of Iron Horse Brewery, Jim Quilter. Oh, interesting. So it's a malt beer. Uh, it says this malt uh, beer, uh, uh, focus beer, is a dark in color, deep in taste, and it defies those pesky style guidelines. Ooh. That's right. This beer is a little bit extra and will always be a dark, smooth ale. And can I read that again? Yeah, do another take. Hi, Stephen. This is Clem Fandango. Can you hear me? 
I can hear you, Clint Pendango. All right, I'm going to try it again, but more as a uh, commercial. Ready? <clears throat> All right. This malt fuck. fuck. <laughs> malt fuck. <laughs> this malt fuck over here. This malt focused brew, dark in color and deep in taste. It defies those pesky style guidelines. This beer is a little bit extra and will always be dark, smooth ale. Okay, maybe that wasn't a good reading. (laughs) Journey. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, uh, it's got a 7.8% booze and uh, it's a dark, smooth ale. So let's give it a go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's dark. That's what she said. Oh, yeah. It's got the dark ale flavor, but you kind of have like a lager aftertaste. It's almost like um, this might sound gross, but uh, it's like I, I, I'm walking in a bar with a Guinness mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, like with a pint and it's a crowded bar. And I accidentally bump into uh, a dude who's got uh, a Coors Light there and uh, half full and half my drink gets into his Coors Light. And uh, that's what it tastes like. The aftertaste <laughs> is like a little like uh, like an American lager. But that's what it says. It's uh, it really defies those those pesky beer guidelines, Steve, because it's just <laughs> a, it's a dark Budweiser. Huh. That doesn't sound bad, actually. I mean, no, it can, it starts strong like a heavy, heavy ale. Mm-hmm. But it has a nice, refreshing, crisp uh, lager aftertaste. That's nice because sometimes those darker beers they can linger a little bit. So if it finishes off clean, yep, nice, yeah, a clean sphincter cut. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, yeah, like we said, the uh, the can is all black and it's got skull and crossbones on, but bones on it. So uh, definitely not for kids. If I saw that, I'd be like, this is yeah. gonna kill me, or at least be scary. <laughs> It's going to be pirates. And Irish people. Pirates of Europe. All right. Well, Steve, let's get drunk and watch The Simpsons. How about that? All righty. Let's uh, go back in time all the way back to 2019, March 31st to be exact. What was the number one movie in the box office? It's the uh, live action remake of Disney beloved animated movie Dumbo directed by the one person you think who'd be great at uh, directing a a kid's film. And that's Tim Burton. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, if you want to see Batman Returns cast reunited, watch Dumbo. <laughs> there you go. That's a shining endorsement. Uh, did you watch uh, this, Craig? No. Yeah, me neither. I would have heard of, um, I think it had like mixed reviews, but I heard of it's It's funny because it just kind of makes fun of capitalism and essentially like Disney itself. Huh. That's fun. I remember seeing the trailer in the theater and like maybe crying because it was pretty adorable or something. I don't know. That seems possible. I mean, there's all good players in there, but I was never a big Dumbo fan to begin with. No, the uh, the scene where he gets drunk always freaked me out. I think you're just reliving moments when your dad was drinking. Probably. But luckily I learned my lesson and I didn't, you know, drink because of it. <laughs> Hold on a second. I need to take a sip. <laughs> ah. Yeah, and I don't plan on watching it anytime soon. Me neither. Well, everyone was watching the watching the, the Dumbo. Mm-hmm. What were we uh, jamming to, Steve? Well, Craig, the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 was Seven Rings by Ariana Grande. I want it, I got it. I want it, I got it. I want it, I got it. You like my hair? She thinks just about it. Is that the song about Pete Davidson? I think so. Maybe I don't. Hey, yeah. Steve, I have breaking news here. 
<gasps> What's that? As of this record date from seven hours ago, People Magazine just said Ariana Grande marries Dalton Gomez in tiny and intimate wedding. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Who's Dalton Gomez? It's like he has two last names, but no first name. <laughs> he is a real estate agent and he looks hey. like Screech. Oh, no. Does he look like Pete Davidson? He uh, looks too young to be a real estate agent because he was born in 1995. Wow. Oh, good. Good for him. See, look celebrities they're just like us yeah uh, back to that song so that's just my favorite things like this doesn't seem like a uh very uh thought out song <laughs> no it's 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 weird it's like uh all right i'll just write make a poem and then uh which is what a song is steve <laughs> right set to music <laughs> and then set to music it becomes a song <laughs> yes <laughs> i guess <laughs> rappers are definitely the bards of our generation <laughs> she you know, or whoever like produced the music i was like hmm try to create something new ah, let's just do my favorite things yeah <laughs> dun, 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 dun. whiskers on kit nope nope whoever said money can't solve your problems <laughs> i don't know yeah i just bought a crib i want it my god i'm just reading the lyrics i'm not sure how this yeah. song goes because i'm not gonna find out uh do you want to find out what the simpsons is about though i do let's talk about this episode girls in the band Lisa is scouted by the director of the Capital City Philharmonic to her band, uh, band teacher's dismay. Homer works extra shifts at the plant, putting strain on the family. Oh, well, Craig, what do you say? What do you say we watch that episode and uh, talk about it? Sounds like a plan, Steve. We'll be right back. They say which one I say now. I want all And we're back. Today we're talking about The Girls in the Band, the 19th episode of the 30th season. It originally aired on March 31st, 2019. It is episode 658 in the show's run. Your nerd code is YABF11. It was written by Nancy, Sabrina Carpenter's aunt, Cartwright, and uh, directed by Jennifer Moeller. And your showrunner is Al Jean. We didn't have to put Sabrina Carpenter's aunt. <laughs> Well, I just didn't know how our listeners would really oh, associate yeah. this person. We have lots of uh, Sabrina Carpenter fans. You know, yeah. famous singer and uh, actress Sabrina Carpenter from hit spinoff show um, Girl Meets World. Right. And uh, Mickey's Roadster Racers. Yeah. I was doing some uh, Nancy Cartwright research, just making sure that she wasn't related to like Ben Cartwright. Sure. And Haas Cartwright and Joseph Cartwright. Them Cartwright boys. Yeah, those Cartwright boys. You think she got teased in, in school? Like, oh, your last name's Cartwright. Like, uh, uh, Bonanza. Given the time and her age, I would say so. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And we're back bullying her about her last name. Ha <laughs> ha, Cartwright. There's nothing else about Nancy Cartwright that we could ever make fun of. So that's just it. Just her name. You know what's kind of crazy, too, is, uh, uh, of course, if you're new to the show and you've never watched The Simpsons or never listened to this an episode, uh, Nancy Cartwright wrote this episode, but she's also the voice of, uh, check my notes, Bartholomew J. Simpson. Wow. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting, too. Like, she, you know, she still, she does other voices, not just on The Simpsons, but, you know, other cartoons. If you think about it, like, yeah, Bart is, like, one of the most iconic characters. But I feel like, you know, on uh, Rugrats, Chucky, which she voices, that's that's kind of a big character in the world of animated characters. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, she's done a lot of voice work. Like, she does, like, remember she did Mindy on, on Animaniacs? That's pretty big. I mean, I know, like, Kim Possible is a popular show. Apparently, like, the character Rufus is, you know, that's a character people know if you've watched Kim Possible. Sure. I've never seen an episode, but I'll take your word for it. I've never seen one either. So uh, how about this? We don't watch it. 
Sounds good. But, you know, the Rugrats is coming back. I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, the same voices are coming back and new voices, too. But uh, it's just that animation style is too uh, new pixar right? It's eerie. It's I don't like it. Yeah. So we're not going to be doing eye off Springfield of the new Rugrats. Sorry, guys. No ion babies for us. <laughs> ion babies. What does that mean? Like our eyes would oh. not be on spring. <laughs> I see where you're confusing. Yeah. Um, but like our eyes would be off of Springfield and yeah. on to the babies. Ooh, I don't like that. No, me neither. That's where we're not going to do it. Anything we've learned from this podcast, like especially last week, is uh, we don't hit or hit on uh, little kids. Yep. Don't hit or hit on little girls. All right. <laughs> I made my uh, bonanza joke. Um, Check. Made fun of her last name for being Cartwright, uh, which is the bonanza joke. I think that's it. There's nothing. I mean, she's rich. And uh, oh, well, I mean, she has a dead husband. <laughs> That's something. Well, really dead ex-husband. Oh, that's that's fine. I think they were divorced before he died. Or uh, were they? Warren Murphy, famous uh, author of the Destroyer series. Oh. Which is uh, the film basis off of Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Cool. He died in 2015 at the age of 81. Wow. He was 25 years older than Nancy. Are we done with talking about Nancy? I think we can. I think we can move on. We've got a yeah, got a title gag. Cool. It's the uh, leprechaun fighting in the sky with another leprechaun, but this one is wearing orange, meaning that he's uh, northern and not Catholic but Protestant. And uh, yeah, they fight in the air. Is that what that really means? Uh, yeah. Cool. Did not know um, that. Yeah, my dad was a very big proponent of being Irish, which I <laughs> I've discovered that we are less so than we were thought. Especially since he was 100% Cambodian. Exactly. But on St. Patrick's Day, he would make a big to-do, make like potato pancakes, drink whiskey and beer. <laughs> I mean, that's like Sunday, but... It's uh, me right now. Yeah. Um, but he would also, uh, if, you know, we'd all wear green on St. Patrick's Day, but if somebody were to arrive at the house wearing orange, they were not so politely asked to leave. So former disgraceful president Donald Trump shows up. Oh, no. <laughs> the big orange buffoon in front of your dad's face. What's he going to do? Oh, I think punches are going to be thrown. <laughs> oh, wait. What about a gritty? The uh, Philadelphia Flyers mascot. <laughs> I mean, I would make an exception for gritty, but my dad, no. So no, uh, no orange. Mm-hmm. And I don't really, I mean, I know the conflict kind of, but I know that the IRA, who are the more Catholic, did do some bombings, but my dad felt that it was justified. And I don't know. You know, Steve, mm-hmm. we have a chalkboard gag. Oh, very nice. And I don't really understand it. Just Bart uh, writing, uh, I am not a grandmother. I don't well, get one, it. he is not. But this is a reference to Nancy. He is oh. a boy. Boys can be grandmas. <laughs> um, this is a reference to Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson and the writer of this episode, becoming a grandmother. Oh, because that's scary. Yeah. And I think she was on her way to becoming one, but was not yet. Because of COVID. Right. You could use uh, because of COVID as any punchline now, right? No, oh, yeah. Is it okay? Yeah. I mean, not just a punchline, but like just as an excuse for anything. Like, uh, hey, Steve, I know I'm fully vaxxed. You're fully vaxxed. Uh, do you want to come over this weekend or? I'd love to, but I just, uh, I really can't, you know, because of COVID. Oh, you got COVID. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could just get other people infected. You don't know. You might have yeah. it, but you won't know because you're vaxxed. And I don't want to be a carrier. I couldn't no. have that guilt on me. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know, Craig, do you want to yeah. go? Uh, there's a socially distanced <laughs> basketball game where we can watch, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters play the Washington Generals. You want to come? 
No. No. But I mean, everyone will have masks and we're both police. Don't want to go. Okay, fine. I guess you don't need COVID after all. You just got to tell the truth, to be honest. Yeah. I don't want to hang out with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nancy. So this is her first episode she wrote, probably as of now. Yep. But, you know, I think we alluded last week. We know, like, Dan Cancelletta, who voices Homer, has done it. Um, Harry Shears also wrote a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, did, yeah, we did one, didn't we? Trust me, uh, clarify. Yes. Yeah. yeah, early on. But uh, technically, this is Nancy, the first female cast member to write a show. But last year, I think Yardley Smith wrote an episode, too. So, yeah, everyone's on their way to write an episode. I think I think you got to. Yeah, I, I think it's a nice rite of passage. Yeah, and, you I know, you're probably to. bored at the time, so you want something new to do. <laughs> I think if Julie Cavanier was going to write an episode, I don't think Marge would be in it whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, besides the... Uh, chalkboard there's the couch of course and uh of course the living room is a, a negative like a black and white negative mm-hmm. you see marge bartley's there and uh, maggie and homer comes in full color rushes in and with his you know traditional dough oh gay annoyed grunt right that's fun yeah i feel i feel like you could have a compilation of the the various animated joke related couch gags like there's the one where like the japanese or the korean animators are finishing up the eyes there's the one where uh matt's hand draws it there's like three or four different animated related uh, chalk gags it could be a dvd for like 3.99 <laughs> like 45 seconds at like a gas station in the middle of nowhere yeah <laughs> Next to the hats and the trucker nuts. <laughs> and those uh, god-awful danishes and those packages. Ugh, gross. <laughs> Is that the worst? Uh, it might be. Those pastries. Yeah. I, I still have to say a hostess hand pies are probably the grossest thing, but yeah, you can find me on it. No, I mean, like, I used to like them as a kid, but yeah, Even they're... as a kid, I knew they were gross. Yeah, I did too, but they're just like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm garbage. <laughs> You get one of those and a Slurpee and oh my, a yeah. copy of like Ghost Rider at the remember when comic books actually were in stores and you didn't have to go to a comic book store to buy comic books as a kid? Yeah, the spinning rack. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Let's let's keep reliving our fond memories of our youth, just like we were <laughs> watching this episode, which starts yeah. out uh in the prince's favorite year. Oh yes. So we uh we get some grand orchestral music. As uh, the camera pans through a forest of trees to show a sign that says, Welcome to Springfield. Come for the whacking day. Stay for the snake shouter. Uh, we go over some hills. Oh, I'm Rook. sorry. What, what was that? Uh, snake what? Come for the whacking day. Uh-huh. Stay for the snake shouter. No, no. Say it again. Come for the whacking day. Stay for the snake shouter. A shout air. <laughs> say it again, Frenchie. Shout air. Shout air. Oh, wait, I think you were supposed to say shout air. I, I was supposed to. <laughs> we were in the bit. All right, yeah. I'll let you continue. Sorry. All right. Well, uh, we go to a field where Cletus is using his tractor to write in the field corn liquor, spelled L-I-K-K-E-R, sold here with an arrow pointing to his barn. The camera continues through the town, past the tire fire, creating by the Springfield Hollywood sign, and finally to the Springfield Academy of Music. Corn liquor? I hardly knew her. <laughs> Um, okay, well, like I said, we're uh, in Prince's favorite year. It's the graduating class of 1999, which is weird if you think about then. Like, does that mean Dewey is only four years older than us or five years older than us? <laughs> yeah, that old oh, well, man uh, is, yeah. No, because this is his college, right? Yeah. But he's like, he's nine years older. Okay, cool. We still feel young. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Um, 
Anyway, so the, uh, the orchestra stops and the MC makes an announcement, which is this announcement that I will play right now. Each year, one graduate receives the prestigious Golden Baton Award for the most impressive future conductor. But this year, we have two worthy recipients. <gasps> two? That's right. Gustavo Dudamel and local wunderkind, Mr. Dewey Lago. <laughs> I'm sure you will each achieve tremendous renown. No way. I believe that one of you will, and the other will fail, and have a horrible life as a public school music teacher. <laughs> do the mail. Do the mail. Yo, yo, ma! No, do it, my pouty puppet. You're having that dream again. Ah, oh, it's so cruel that my only triumph has become my recurring nightmare. Oh, darling, you're cursed with the memory of an elephant. And the wrinkles to match. Can't you just wake me with a slice of melon and a drop of affection? Gustavo Dudamel is a fun name to say. Yeah, and it's a real person. What? He is the guy who collects the Smurfs. Dudamel. <laughs> No, he is a, a Venezuelan conductor who does have those flowing locks uh, that we see there that ate up. Uh, I thought it was Margo. I thought it was uh, Gabe Kaplan, <laughs> Mr. Carter. He was busy playing poker. He's a professional <laughs> poker player now. Uh, Sideshow of Mel. He had a clarinet instead of a bone. Or, bone. So he's a musician. Unless this is because um, this is still like a dream, you know. Fair point. What if Mel didn't graduate with Dewey and he was just watching like Krusty before he fell asleep? That's very possible. Or just or, people show up in your dream. Yeah, or he just, you know, has a crush on Mel. Because I think Mel's, you know, Mel's probably... I'm mad about town. I was going to say uh, gender fluid. Sure. So that's Dewey's uh, boyfriend there. Yeah, who we've established. His name is also Dewey. Right. But was I that don't... originally was it originally voiced by Ian McKellen? This is what I think, yeah, because... Looks, looks like him <laughs> and he sounds like him and i can't imagine they can get him to show up for a lot of stuff no i Is looked he... him up on the internet and he created a decimal decimal system of some sort oh wow <laughs> i should have said simpson in anywhere when i looked that up <laughs> you think you type in one name from the simpsons it just pop up in google yeah i type in dewey it should be dewey not the dewey decimal system because you right. know really we care more about simpsons i mean if you gave me a picture of a duck in a turtleneck that'd be something <laughs> Yeah. Like Huey and Louie. Oh, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he has been only voiced by Carl Wiedergott. Um, and yeah, I think he just uh, bears an appearance or bears a likeness and is basically like Ian McKellen, but not. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see that too on the Simpsons wiki. Because we Ian McKellen has been on the show, but as himself. Right. The episode where they go to London. Okay. Our bad. Our bad. Take away our Simpsons car keys. Oh, wow. Anyway, let's go back to Dewey and Dewey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Dewey, the not Ian McKellen version, is agonizing the our Dewey, Luke Largo, while outside the Brownstone apartment there. And then uh, but then we get, we see that, yeah, then we see the Brownstone and the bullies of Dolph. Jimbo and Kearney are stealing a maintenance hole cover. It's not called the manhole cover anymore. And then head appears from the sewer. It's not, not Raphael or Donatello michelangelo leonardo oh. or even uh that rat splinter no it's 
it's Sideshow Bob. And he quickly gets away. So this is canon. Bob's on the loose, guys. Yeah, he spent some time in the sewer, and now he's on the run. It just makes sense that the writer of this episode is Nancy Cartwright, voice of Bart. And it's going to be a Bart versus uh, Sideshow Bob episode. I love it. Yeah, she's just working her way to like have all this screen time while she writes it. She's just writing herself into fame. I, I got to say, even though we haven't continued, it's, it's interesting that, yeah, Bart barely has a part in this episode. And I think she did that on purpose. Uh, back inside, the two Deweys have their morning tea, while the Ian McKellen-looking Dewey gives Mr. Largo a list of chores. The defeated mu- music teacher is to uh, call the dog walker and contact someone about the water bill as Dewey suspects a sputtering spigot. Uh, Largo points out that his partner is home all day, which is why the uh, Ian McKellen-looking guy is so annoyed. And so Gandalf takes to Pinterest while the other Dewey takes to his takes his anger out on their dog, Winston. And so I was wondering, you know, we, we haven't had a ton of Dewey and Dewey, but what we have had, the not Mr. Largo Dewey really gives it to uh, the other Dewey, just making fun of him a lot. And do you think it's like good natured fun, like them being a sweet couple? Or is that Dewey just an asshole? Yeah, there's only what, been four episodes? I Yeah. I bet this is just it for the writers or just just to get rid of Dewey. Yeah. Spoilers when they break up at the end of the episode. Maybe Nancy Cartwright just really hates Dewey. She's like, I'm going to find a way to write him off. Because I don't really, again, it's their newer episodes. Flamey Mo, which I think we did that one, right? Mm-hmm. Working Mom, did we do that one too? Yeah. Girls in the Bat. And then so he just seen in the 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 crowd in podcast news, another episode. So I think, yeah, we've, I don't think he was ever a dick. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to go back and find out. That's fine. You know. So at Springfield Elementary, Dewey Largo absolutely mindly conducts his students as they struggle through Mozart's Aina Kleine Nacht music. And as he does so, he looks through his uh, tablet and finds a site for Toto Rooters, Dog Walkers, and Drain Cleaning. Then he just all of a sudden gets an email notification. Dear Mr. Largo, I am the musical director of the Capital City Philharmonic. I've heard you've got talent. Big talent, major chops, the goods. Ah! So I'll be attending your concert tomorrow night. Intriguingly yours, Victor Klesko. P.S. I will be bringing an outside beverage. Large, icy, non-alcoholic. Okay, gang. Our recital's tomorrow, and we're gonna be ready. And if you play the way I know you're capable of, you'll never see me again. You have hidden talent bubbling inside you, and this baton will pop it right out. Sherry, more fortissimo. Terry, more pianissimo. Millhouse, don't forget the tune you're... What the heck are you playing? No one really knows. Well then, wear it on your head. I think one of the best jokes so far has been the... Millhouse, what the hell are you even playing? (laughs) Because it's a joke about the opening credits of the simpsons exactly yeah because you don't know what he's playing like i think you are, i always kind of assume is it supposed to be like a soprano sax the same kind of sax that um kenny uh, g plays kenny g plays yeah but it's obviously not because the bell is like almost the size of a trumpet yeah <laughs> just so when i saw that scene I'm like, that's clever I, yeah because it does look like a like peanut style musical yeah. instrument well the rest of the, the uh band has like actual, <laughs> actual real instruments as they've evolved Right. And I like how it is the same like layout too, 
of the intro or the credits where mm -hmm. you know Mel House and Sherry Taylor there with Lisa. So I thought it was a fun visual, even though the band room looks a little different. It's still fun. Yeah, I like that. So J.K. Simmons, this is his fifth appearance in the series um, as Victor Plesko in an homage to uh, his role in the film that came out in 2014, Whiplash. The movie's so good. One of the reasons why it's so good is uh, it's a hot 90 minutes. I love a hot 90 minutes. Yeah. Have you watched uh, Invincible, all of Invincible? I have not yet. Oh, and just JK is great in that. I mean, he's just, he's just good in everything. He just has to play that character and that's, you know, we're happy. Yeah, he's such a good character actor. And uh, I know we've talked about Spider-Man before. Mm -hmm. Do it again. But I cannot think of a better person to play J. Jonah Jameson than J.K. Simmons. No, and there never will be, Steve. That's right. You want, Craig? I've got some uh, music vocabulary for you from that clip. I'm excited. Yep. So fortissimo means to play very loudly and pianissimo, pianissimo, penis, pianissimo, penis, massimo, penis, pianissimo is performed very softly. But Lori Laughlin says to her husband, penis, massimo. But, uh, oh no, they're out of jail. Yeah, for now. <laughs> Steve, Mr. Largo is inspired there Ooh. from uh, J.K. Simmons email about uh, about him being cool. Right. Yeah. So he's going to do something he's never done before and actually try. So the band plays as we see Dewey uh, polishes his uh, baton. Uh-huh. You know, baton. He polishes it. Baton. Uh, watch himself conduct in the mirror of the bathroom while his partner bangs on the door, gripping his own uh, genitalia very tightly to prevent the uh, urination. I don't know why I had to describe that, but, you know, there I, there I am. Well, it showed it, and they're old men, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. their bladders probably aren't so good anymore. So you probably really had to get that warning pee. You know, there's a sink. If it is a number one, come on. Yeah, he wasn't holding his butthole. They got a brownstone. It's the reason why it's called a brownstone. That's um, too far. I also like how he's got, uh, when he's conducting in the mirror there, he's got Dudamel's picture on his mirror. Yeah. So he's conducting. Do we still continue conducting as the yes, voice of the squeaky teen bag says groceries at Wellness Foods into the music of the teacher's reusable bags that promote ACLU, PBS, NPR, and Springfield's best coffee. Mm. Still better than Seattle's best coffee. Yeah. Take that, Seattle. Boom. You've been roasted. Over-roasted, some would say. I get it. Yeah, okay. In his bedroom, uh, Mr. Lago tries to tie his tie, but with no luck. Um, but his uh, Ian McCallum-looking partner tries to perfect the bow tie, but uh, you know, he gives him a loving kiss on the cheek and sends him on his way. Aw. So we then cut to the First Church of Springfield, <laughs> where the sign says, nothing here tonight, go to the school, which we do. And outside the Springfield Elementary, a banner reads, band concert tonight, took you long enough. And then inside the band plays competently and the Simpsons are confused. Are they in the right school? They sound good. Marge removes her uh, earplugs to find that the music is actually bearable. Um, Dewey smiles as the song finishes and then the crowd cheers and Super Nintendo Chalmers has a tear in his eye. Sir, did it move you? Skinner, didn't I ask for a buffer chair between you and me at all of these events? Uh-uh. Buffer! Brilliant! How did you manage it? It was good, wasn't it? Let's just say I separated the wheat from the chaff. I'm in the F-hole! Before we played that clip, the... Because we were doing that montage with Dewey. Uh-huh. That, that sign montage of the 
at the end with like they go to Springfield, the establishing shot of the Springfield uh, church where it says, mm-hmm. "Nothing here did I go to the school." I just that was that was great comedic uh, visual gag there. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was uh, yeah, it was great. Classic signage from those Simpson folks. Yeah. Well, the kids, you know, they play their music there, so uh, they pack up their instruments and uh, uh, Dewey Largo, he's on his knees, Steve. Oh, just praying by candlelight to the patron saint of losers, oh. salary. Yeah. Uh, the two frame plaques around the failed musician, one that reads, True greatness always comes in second, while the other says, Buffalo Bill Super Bowl runners up 1990 through 1993. Uh, Dewey pleads with his idol to let this Garfunkel become a Simon, this Pepsi to become a Coke, which also I think I've said on this podcast, prefer Pepsi over Coke, mm-hmm. and for this ugly duckling to conduct Swan Lake. Suddenly, Victor Klesko, aka J. Jonah Jameson appears. I don't know his name is in Whiplash. I think it's like Terry Whiplash. Terry Whiplash here. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds right. Yeah. Terry Whiplash. That sounds like a superhero name. <laughs> like he'd be a part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, maybe. Yeah. Or a really good lawyer. Have you been injured in a, <laughs> in a car accident called Terry Whiplash? <laughs> uh, from the law offices of Dewey, Cheatham, and Whiplash. There we go. We had to fire Howe. Yeah. He's busy with his hockey career. Great joke. Uh, Simpsons joke, wasn't it? Well, not Whiplash, but. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's that clip that uh, Steve promised you. Hi, Victor Klesko. We're conductors, so don't shake hands. Just a friendly wave on the beat of 4, 3, 2, and done. I'm honored, maestro. Let's get to the chase. That was good. Middle school good. Tonight, I witnessed a once-in-a-semester talent that I must add to my organization. Do we uh-huh. have to keep talking, or can I meet Lisa Simpson? But, 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 she's a child. Yes, I'm scouting talent for our youth, Philharmonic. Surely you didn't think I wanted you? Uh, no, no, of course not. Lisa's right over there. Red dress, intelligent expression, can't miss her. Mr. Largo, he picked me! <gasps> I'm sorry. I'm really glad you get to represent us. It's like a little piece of me is taking a baby practice step. That is so generous. Yes. Yes, there is an upside to having a broken spirit. Finally, we find out there is an upside to having a broken spirit. I really liked the, uh, do we really need to keep talking? That was fun. <laughs> yeah, the high energy from J. Jonah Jameson there. Yeah. Um, also, Willie was walking by with a giant uh, sloshing tub marked spit valve disposal. Which is <laughs> gross. <laughs> Uh, now, Craig, this episode is uh, a lot about band. You were in band. Is this, uh, any of this uh, resonate with you? Uh, not really. Okay. <laughs> Asked and answered. You know, uh, those years were long ago, and uh, I've forgotten a lot of them. <laughs> That's fair. I, I, I don't remember what I did in high school either. I do remember emptying spit valves. That was always fun. Did I get full of spit? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it was fine to, uh, to spit, you know, to release them on the carpet at the... Uh, school but at home practicing you're not allowed to empty your spit valve on the carpet steve that seems fair yeah do it over the sink like a civilized tromboner that i was oh boy but i didn't (laughs) somebody's naughty Anyway, so on the right home, Marge ex- uh, ex- examines the uh, brochure for Capital City Youth Harmonica, or the CCYH, as I like to call it all the time. Sure. Um, and Lisa brags about that her new instructor thinks she sounds like a young cannonball Adderley. Uh, Homer assumes that <laughs> it's a raccoon on Saturday Night cartoons rather than a legendary jazz saxophonist. Homer is thinking of a guy who would make himself into a ball and knock over the crows. <laughs> <laughs> what was he thinking of like do we do research like is this just an absurd joke or was it actually a cartoon i think it is because like i'm looking at cartoon raccoons and there are a number of them 
Um, there seems to be some show that had a Bert, Lisa, and Melissa, all with the last name Raccoon. But none of them look like they would uh, roll into a ball and knock over the crows. And so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I do appreciate, though, that there is a, a Wikipedia article that is list of fictional raccoons. Wouldn't it be funny if it was actually like Nancy who wrote it was... She's like, guys, remember when you were kids and it was that cartoon about the the raccoon? And it was like, we don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> and so then they uh, they just wrote in this episode. Yeah, they're like, uh, yeah, it's your but favorite, Nancy. It's it's a fun scene just because uh, Homer being silly. Yeah, uh, but Marge, not so silly. She's concerned because the class is 30 miles each way. Lisa feels that the family can do it. And she even volunteers to uh, practice in the car. But uh, Bart speaks his mind singing a taunting song to the tune of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Uh, back in their bedroom, Martin Homer try to find a solution. We can't afford a babysitter every day. Bart will have to come along. And Maggie, too. Well, I gotta ask, should we really sacrifice everything for a gifted child? We'll always regret it if we don't. Okay. I wanted you to argue with me. Youth orchestra costs $200 a month. Where's that money going to come from? Well, I have an idea, but you might not like it. Remember the show Breaking Bad? About a dad who was desperate for money? Homer, no! Marge, yes, I can do it. I can sell my box set! We haven't even listened to the commentaries! Okay, not that. I could always switch to a double shift and work nights at the plant. Isn't that dangerous to your health? You think I'm in danger? I am the danger! I'm the one who knocks! Well, that's so protective. It's also a quote from Breaking Bad. <sighs> you are really far behind. Doesn't it seem that a Breaking Bad joke was even by, what, 2019? Kind of old? Yeah, like really old, because the show ended in 2013. Did it really? Uh, yeah. And also Whiplash came out in 2014. So we're working at a five or six year delay there. That's also, so if they sell their their uh, DVD set of Breaking Bad, it's like not even a month. Like, I get that it would be more two years ago. But like on Amazon, I see it for an average about $58. Oh, you can go to thrift stores like Goodwills. Oh, yeah. The Breaking Bad is always there. And the DVDs, I always see it. Not the complete. I mean, it was like here season two and three and whatever. But yeah. And it's like streaming everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But like, even if they did, like, I, I'm seeing one seller on eBay selling the Blu ray of the Cleat series Breaking Bad for $200. That's get you a month. That's, That's not going to get you that far. You can get that cheaper, can't you? Oh, yeah. You can get it for like $24.95. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also right. It's on Netflix. <laughs> You know, that's actually one of the few newer shows I've probably rewatched about four times. And I've watched the entire series again. Oh, wow. I think I've only done like two, but I could maybe watch that again. All the episodes, like they all mean something, you know? Yeah. Everyone always talks about that fly episode being the worst of all or, you know, not the worst, but the ones you could skip. But I don't I don't, I don't recommend that. That's a great episode. It's one of my favorites, actually. I enjoy the bottle episode. I think it really dives into the characters. Literally the only bottle episode of that show. But yeah. really, it's not because it still progresses the story. Right. That's true. So and we have like two more years until Better Call Saul finally wraps up the <laughs> prequel where Saul Goodman will look 60 and then all of a sudden a year later will look 40. That's right. God damn it. <laughs> so as a diagram shows the elements uh, similar to the hit AMC drama, the show spells out commercial break. We head to our second act. Yep. Second act. 
an overturned semi-truck causes traffic and Marge and the kids are stuck in the said traffic. Aside from the 27 exits, uh, Marge knows that when the Spanish radio station overpowers the Christian one, that they are close to Capital City. Is this like the third episode in a row we've been to Capital City from our podcast perspective? I think so. <laughs> we're doing this weird thing where we're going, Jesus. <laughs> I think we had a raccoon run. We're trying to find a connection from each episode to the, yeah. Yeah, and currently, oh yeah, we went Jesus something blue, Capital City. <laughs> what next week we'll connect with huh i don't know well i've noticed that uh lisa's been in all of these episodes you're right hmm. <laughs> hey homer too you know i seems like bart makes an appearance most of the time as well and marge is just there yeah all right <laughs> she got a glass of wine that one time at the bowling alley yeah you know i feel like the spanish radio overpowers the christian one i, I feel like that's true yeah <laughs> like uh once you get to bigger cities I think it's because the population is more. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's um, interesting driving around in a rental car, like if you're visiting L.A., because like their radio stations are way different than ours, but they're as homogenous. But instead of like having like country stations and then rock stations, it's mostly like hip hop. And like sometimes there's like great like old school hip hop stations. And then, yeah, a lot of uh, Latinx or Latino music. Yeah, we have like maybe two on the FM dial yeah. of the like Spanish radio. But yeah, up here in the in the Portland area, it's it's you know mostly like 80s, 90s pop rock music like classic like you know like rock music from like the 70s to the 2000s yeah the pop rock yeah a lot of country stations i feel there's like more country stations maybe yeah it feels like there's more of that than anything and there's like maybe two one or two like hip-hop stations i think i don't know i think so or it's like like pop slash hip-hop yeah well that's enough radio talk for now steve yeah because who listens to the radio (laughs) we're podcasters that's right they're our enemy (laughs) yeah um uh, so the billboard uh, for the AM 710 featuring Bubbly Man and Stacy overlooks the highway. Uh, Bart wonders why he has to be there. He specifically didn't get good at anything to avoid drives like this. But Marge asks her son if the positions were switched. Would he trust himself to be home alone? It's funny that they, she brings that up because when I was watching that, I'm like, why does Bart need? They can't afford to sit or what? Like Bart's 10. If he can't stay home. Right. Like when I was 10, I could stay home alone. Me too. But it's also she makes the point like Bart shouldn't be left alone <laughs> um, because, you know, if he was home alone, he'd be sitting on that couch imagining that he's watching a horse and an alligator share a cage ready to attack another. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got the the will how to set up a cage in front of the TV. He doesn't want to watch a TV. He wants to watch right. a horse. <laughs> and that means that he not only knows how to build a cage, but he assembled it in the house because he can't bring that through the door. <laughs> Not to mention that he, he he found a place to get a horse and an alligator. Uh, the horse is easy to get. The alligator, though. Sure. Although, yeah. I'm looking at the alligator. I'm just checking to see. Yeah, it looks like an alligator. Making sure it's not actually a crocodile. Is it the nose? Yeah, it's the nose. A long, skinny okay. snout is the croc. Gotcha. Big old, thick, girthy nose is an alligator. That's why the college called me the croc. <laughs> And your horrible, ugly shoes. Yeah. And my skinny waiter. It's not nuts. What are you doing here? Uh, Go in my ghost dick. All right. You know how we can CGI people into movies? Let's make a movie called Ghost Dick, starring the late great. I can't remember his name. I just said it. Nuts. Nuts. Yeah. And so what's the, what's the premise? He's just going around as a ghost. Well, 
okay so no 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 i mean we won't have ghost rape of course not okay that's good but he is um he is of a different time so he thinks it's funny just showing his dick to people and we're gonna have to tell him like well you have to consent this is a different age don you can't just show your ghost dick to everybody i'm sorry Ah, it's nice. It's it's a uh, an important movie with an important message. Yeah, yep. I like it. All right, coming this fall on Disney Plus, Ghostic. <laughs> uh, so the family arrives at the Frank Gehry designed Dawes Butler Hall, where Lisa heads to her first rehearsal. Hey, Steve, you know that Dawes Butler Hall? Sure. It's named after famous voice artist Dawes Butler, huh. who's the mentor to Nancy Cartwright. Neat. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like a lot of people. He's a uh, Huckleberry Hound. And Yogi Bear, and Quick Draw McCraw, and Hockey Doggy, and Hokey Wolf, and Snooper and Blabber. Is he still alive? Also, speaking of alligators, he was an alligator, too. Um, he is... No, he died in 1988 on May 18th. Why, that's this week. That's right. That was yesterday. Yes. Nope. No. That was two days. That's next week. Well, Wait, when does time have work? No, it was... Uh, that was two days ago. Yeah. Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day. Sorry, no, Dawes. What a cool name, Dawes. Dawes Butler. I just want to get rid of part of that D and make it Jaws Butler. <laughs> Donna. Donna. All right. Well, Steve, um, I have a clip for you. Yay. Who's the new girl? What does she play? Too small for a tuba. Too big for a flute. Well, maybe it's her lunch. Hi, I'm Lisa Simpson. Shh. He might hear you. Are you okay? Don't tell them I'm sick. The sick are left to die. <coughs> wow, even the violas are dense. Everyone say hello to Lisa Simpson. She's an actual musician, so she will be a strange and wonderful creature to the rest of you. We'll start with one of the classics, theme from Knight Rider, second movement, bar 47. One, two, three, four! <laughs> may have misspoken. Miss Simpson, was that an F-sharp or a G-flat that you played? Well, that's a trick question because they're the same. (laughs) Oh, we have a music scholar in our midst. You're right, they are the same. And if only you had played either one of them! Sorry? No, 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 it's my fault. I've been too soft on you, Lisa. I've been letting you coast for almost two minutes. That ends now! Uh, He's really whip-lashing her. I like the uh, narrator theme. That's fun. Oh, you would, Steve. I would. I mean, yeah, speaking of the themes, I like how all they play is TV themes. That's my kind of orchestra, Steve. That's what I was thinking. Because the uh, stern instructor then tells Lisa, and Lisa alone, to play the theme from Moonlighting, Second Movement, and Dante. Um, So, yeah, more TV theme songs. So, I wonder if they play, like, I think Taxi would be a good one for an orchestra. Of course, Night Court. I was going to say, for Lisa, Night Court. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I'm seeing it. <laughs> oh, did you, did you know that Night Court's coming back? You got Melissa Rausch from uh, TV's Big Bang Theory. I think she's playing Harry T. Stone's daughter, which unfortunately Harry Anderson uh, has passed a few years ago, so he won't be reprising that role. Bummer. But he was a magician, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, Dan Fielding, uh, uh, John Larroquette, you think he'd probably be a judge by now if he's still like, uh, <laughs> yeah, prosecuting like DA. <laughs> At age 80. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's going on, what, NBC? Yeah, I think so. I'm curious. 
That's, I wanna, I'd watch it. I, I kind of want to go back and do a rewatch of Night Court because I remember like the first couple seasons. It's, you know, like a serious type of sitcom, not serious sitcom, but like a sitcom that's just like grounded in a like real world. Yeah. Thing. And it has like a touch of that, even though it's the 80s, that 70s, like New York bleakness. The dirty yellow filter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But then the show just kind of gets weird, like in the last couple seasons, right? Like, isn't Bull like an alien or something? They do have an episode where he's Superman and they re uh, reimagine the Richard Donner film. And yeah, it just kind of turns into a cartoon. Yeah. Like a yeah. raunchy cartoon, which is a lot of fun. Right. I really thought a pilot that would be fun for Night Court would instead of Harry T. Anderson's daughter being the judge, it's actually uh, Dan's daughter. Well, again, we don't know. Right. But like, here's my 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 uh, my pitch is that Dan's daughter is a judge, but she has a different last name because it's he, like a love child. He banged and, around you know, a lot. Yeah. Exactly. And he spends the first like 20 minutes of the episode hitting on her, not realizing it's his <laughs> daughter. <laughs> And then she reveals it and she just like wants to reconnect with her dad and she's a lawyer or a judge now and she wants her daddy to be proud of him. Her. Uh, <laughs> that's my, that's yeah, my that's, bitch. That's, um, we're gonna have to pass on that, Steve. Ah, come on. Uh, the uh, it writes itself. <laughs> I, actually, I think he should be the judge. Dan Fielding's the judge and she's the new, the new uh, lawyer. That would be the new yeah. lawyer. Yeah. Do you think Mac's gonna come back? We, I, we could get. I need some Marsha Warfield. Like Roz needs to make an appearance. Oh yeah, she's doing well. She's a fun Twitter presence. Yeah, Richard Mall. He's still around. He'll have to make an appearance. Mm-hmm. Heck, um, sadly, uh, even though Harry Anderson has passed on, um, <laughs> the, the actor who played his father, of course, was John Aston. He's still alive. He can be buddy. Yeah, they, they can go to the funeral together. Yeah. What are we talking about? Let's, okay. So uh, Bart is beating against beating his head against the uh, car to pass the time. Lisa runs to her mother, panting. Marge asks if her daughter is all right. Lisa says that she was yelled at and then humiliated in front of everyone. And then she's never played better. Uh, so Bart bangs his head again, annoyed that he uh, that they'll have to, to uh, take this trek every day. And he's already got the uh, seat cushion, but he turns around to show his mother his wee little bum there. And there's a nickel imprinted on his cheek, which happens to be a valuable buffalo nickel. Fortunately, Bart threw it in the gutter as he finds coins to be boring. Hmm. Although um, I think in season 19, episode 20, all about Lisa, which was I think it was also our 112th episode. Bart and Homer bond over coin collecting. Huh. We like that episode, I think. Right. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh no, we didn't. It was uh because it was just Bart gets famous, but Lisa. oh right with Lisa, yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Steve at the uh, and then we go to the nuclear power plant and Homer arrives for his night shift where um, he meets a fellow coworker, Gil Gunderson, mm-hmm. Tim Allen. <laughs> hey, welcome to the night shift. What are you in for? Because I hit the jackpot. My kids got a big future with the jazz. Oh, I hear you. You'll do anything for your kids. Then they turn on you. Well, I am through. Happily estranged. Is that my kids? Oh, boy. Steam valve. It's never them. It's pretty dark in here. Can we turn on some more lights? Dad, no. The company can't afford the power. Aren't we a power company? Never get high on your own supply. The idea of a power plant not having power is funny. <laughs> It'd be funny if they just had like solar panels outside there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Yeah. A couple small windmills in the back. <laughs> windmills give you cancer. Uh, They're killing the birds, Steve. They're killing the birds. Yeah, I know. It's horrible. 
Well, back at the prestigious music academy, Bart feels that Maggie is eager to go home. So Marge checks in with her youngest daughter, who pulls out a photo of 742 Evergreen Terrace uh, from her onesie. Bart, also growing bored, uh, bangs a drum, shouting, let's go home, in rhythm. He then asks if he's uh, annoying his mother when someone from the school comes up with some help. Ma'am, daycare is happy to watch your son. Bart Simpson, well-behaved child. Please don't Google me. Who are you losers and why am I locked in here with you? We're the siblings. Our brothers and sisters are the talented ones. Do you know what it's like being second banana to a third chair? Shut up, Miles. Hey, I don't belong here. You're one of us. One of us. One of us. Afterthought. Also ran. Second string. Unwanted child. You're pretty well dressed for a kid. I'm a parent. A prize-winning novelist with no musical talent. And that prize-winning novelist is... (gasps) Jesus Christ. Didn't you write the Bible? I think so. But he couldn't hold a note. Um, I don't get that joke. Uh, because he was, that's why he's in the, in the thing. Because he's not a musical. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and also he had holes in his wrists. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, so in the music class there, Victor calls for a chair challenges. Um, Lisa asks what a chair challenge is, but is uh, assumed to be a volunteer out for blood. You know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm trying to do flashback here. I wonder if there was, I think there was chair challenges when I was in high school. Oh, really? I don't know if it was like, I declare a chair war. <laughs> no, I don't think there was. I think it was maybe like every quarter or maybe once a month or I don't know. You'd have to do like scales and then play parts and then the, the conductor would assign who's at what chair. Interesting. It seems it like a uh, psychologically damaging. I'm sure it was. <laughs> Lisa and uh, Brian go head to head for the first chair as the prize. And Brian feels betrayed as Lisa is apologetic. And she didn't intend to challenge anyone. But uh, Jay, Joan, and Jameson demands the two play or he'll call the movers back to loser town. But he finds that there's currently a surge pricing. So no, the two kids are just going to play each other. And uh, Victor, he's heard enough. Brian has played perfectly for a second chair. And Lisa gets to top spot and apologizes to her opponent. But uh, the new instructor advises against saying sorry. Never apologize for talent. Did Mozart apologize? I don't know. I wasn't there. And even if I was, I'd have been pushing a plow. You think everyone gets to hang out with Mozart? Oh. First chair. I'd be pushing a plow. I think I'd be hanging out with Mozart. That's a great line. It just reminds me of the like people who, you know, uh, like get uh, uh, psychic readings or like in the past life you were Abraham Lincoln like why were you all Abraham Lincoln <laughs> yeah and like time travelers they always go visit someone famous like if you went back in time you wouldn't immediately find like oh there's Jimi Hendrix you'd have to like search him out <laughs> right? like, you'd just be in a town <laughs> You have to like buy airline tickets. You know, it really sucks. Yeah, I, I think about this all the time because, you know, I just want to time travel. Um, <laughs> but if you were to go back to the past, it'd be like back to the future rule. So you'd wherever you travel back to, you have to bang your mom. No, um, <laughs> no, you where you you travel back in time. You're going to be standing. Let's see. Would you, though? Like, let's say you just had like a device, like a transporter. So wherever you're standing on the world at that moment of time and you transport back to like June 
1987 at 6.03 p.m. or whatever. You're going to have to also like do math to like figure where you're standing. Because if you do some random date, you might you'll probably just end up in the ocean just the way the earth moves. And like, because wouldn't that make sense? Like, yeah, also, would I, you even be on earth like with a rotation and you're just stuck in outer space? So you'd have to like do math to like know where the earth was at a certain point. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't. Just right. Build. And it's also possible that your coordinates are where a building is like you could like be in a wall. <laughs> right. And then you just die. And then that'd be your time travel. So I'm going to recommend no time travel, guys. Just don't do it. That's going to be the lesson for today's episode. <laughs> Uh, don't time travel. All right. So back at home, uh, Lisa pra- practices diligently while the rest of the family suffers. And then we get a cute visual where Marge is stretched out on the couch, Bart on top of her. That didn't mean to sound dirty, but it looks like it when I read it out loud. On top of Bart is Maggie, and on top of the pile of people is Snowball 2, sleeping quietly. Uh, Homer walks by, heading to another night shift. He says his goodbye, saying that he'll miss one thing most of all, and that's primetime TV. Bart asks if his father, if his feelings matter, and Homer says, of course they do. They just don't have time for much of them. And then he then lends near to his sad son. Go ahead. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, I... I hear you. I understand you, and I love you. But I... Just put the rest on my Father's Day card. I'll see you at breakfast. <laughs> There's nothing worse than being the parent of a kid with promise. Oh, gosh, I've been so selfish. That's right. The only one who should monopolize this family's time and attention is me, because I could go at any moment, unless I keep talking. Talking, talking, talking. That's what keeps the Grim Reaper at bay. I saw quite a bit of the Grim Reaper back in the war. Back then, we called him the Ticket Out of Germany. But the seating was cramped and the food was lousy. And that was the start of American Airlines. Take that, American Airlines. Yeah, you show him, Abe. Yeah, that was a fun little uh, grandpa cameo. Yeah, I loved, uh, loved all of his uh, lines there. But uh, Steve, our third act has begun. Oh, boy. Yeah, so back on the highway where we spent a lot of this episode. And Marge is uh, hearing an ad for an accident lawyer on the Spanish radio station and a commercial office a phone number with several eights in it. <laughs> ocho, uh, ocho, yeah. ocho. <laughs> Uh, Maggie wiggles out of her car seat and to the back window where she pounds at the glass for freedom. Bart joins her shouting that he was promised ice cream 50 miles ago. Huh. Bart wants Marge's ice cream. It's not mm, good. No. Uh, Marge uh, sleepily declares that they've arrived at the uh, destination. And so when she slams on the brakes there, all the, like how Maggie just gets back in the car seat from the yeah. from Bart. Uh, so meanwhile, the other Simpson parent, that's Homer, arrives at home equally tired from his long evening shift. He enters the bedroom to find Marge still in driving position. He complains that his wife that everything is breakfast all the time. All he's eating is eggs. Could it be turning his skin yellow? But a more important question is Marge's query, which may be more pressing. Homie, are we sacrificing our family's happiness for the sake of one member? When Lisa's making millions of dollars playing for the Utah Jazz, it'll be worth it. The Jazz is a basketball team. No, it's... Oh my god, what have we done? I'm glad we put that clip in there with the eight hours of uh, silence. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot longer than I remember it being. That's what she said! I thought you had paused it. I, nope. And it just kept on going. But it's 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 a good joke because, as we talked about it before, the pacing or the timing of a joke and letting the joke 
breathe. Yeah. Or Homer's contemplating, like, wait a minute, the Utah Jazz is not actually a, a jazz band. <laughs> but it just makes sense that they are. Has he never s- watched a basketball game with any teams playing against the Jazz? Maybe not. I mean, whatever conference they live in, maybe they don't get a lot of uh, Utah. Anyway, so Homer... Um, Looking at his phone tearfully, this little montage here, Moe's offers a virtual beer via FaceTime, and then Lisa imitates blowing a horn in her sleep while Maggie grows increasingly annoyed with her car seat beating it against the side of the family sedan. They walk into Dawes Butler Hall, and Lisa finds that a book has fallen from Marge's purse. Uh, one million one Ken Ken puzzles? Ken Ken's a thing. It's like uh, Sudoku, but there's adding involved. It's actually much harder. Ooh. And uh, she finds out that Marge has actually completed every single one of them. Lisa shows a little bit of guilt there, I think. Oh, no. Well, back at the daycare, Bart is trying to inspire his fellow second stringers. He asks them if they want to be in their sibling shadows for the rest of their lives. And they all say yes, as it's cool in the shadow. Uh, Bart wants to show the kids how to get get attention by misbehaving. Uh, First, you call your dad by his first name. And if it's sticky, spill it. And then you make a shirt tail wiener. Uh, Bart then exposes the class to his cloth genitalia and the losers all cheer. At the same time, Victor wants to speak to Lisa. Simpson, a word? About your time with this band, I'm afraid it's almost up. Are you kicking me out? I wish. Ending people's musical careers is why I got into music. But no, your sin is having a birthday soon. You have to audition to move up to the next group. How old are they? 9 to 14. And then what's the group after that? Fame, fortune, and affair with Hans Zimmer. Well, sir, I'm ready for all but the last one. You think you're ready? In 9 to 14, we play notes you've never heard of. M-flat, J-sharp, V, cursive G, Frank, Frank Natural. And those are just the ones you can hear. I know you're playing mental games with me, and I take it as flattery. Smart. Always smart. Well, this isn't a game. It'll cost your parents more money, and it's a half hour farther from everywhere. Oh, well, I guess I better talk to my family then and tell them the, uh, the good news. Auditions are Tuesday. I sense you're conflicted. I was conflicted once. Band leader or prison guard? I chose the one where I could be more cruel. Man, J.J. Jamison, J.K. Simmons is doing great in this episode. I'm fun. Yeah, the, he's uh, a lot of fun. I really enjoy him. The fake notes. <laughs> Frank. <laughs> uh, oh, and Miser. Yeah. Uh, you okay there? Yeah. Um, so anyways, it's 3.17 a.m., Steve. No, at the at the nuclear power plant. Not right now. Oh, good. I thought I thought we had re- been recording for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's still light out. And uh, Homer is uh, tired and irritable. He argues with himself to shut up. Then he goes to the vending machine to splash some hot coffee on his face and his underarms. Steve, you've done that. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, he then, yeah, he then sees a row of uh, hazmat suits hanging on a nearby wall, and one of the suits jumps from its hook and waves Homer over. Homer dances with the uh, with the suit there, and he's transported to a fancy uh, ballroom. And the gloves from the brick wall take his coat as an eye wash station transformed into a posh fountain. Uh, the buzz cola machine turns into a bartender. And uh, we head into an homage of uh, one of my favorite movies, Steve, The Shining. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, they got a new guest voice between Steve's favorite uh, band, Dave Matthews. Uh-huh. The usual, sir. Thank you, Lloyd. And let me say, no one enables a descent into madness better than you. I understand the family's getting to be a bit of a problem. Yeah, but what are you going to do? I hear radiation poisoning is a painless way to go. Maybe sprinkle a little plutonium in the salad. I don't eat salad. Exactly. (laughs) I see. 
<laughs> no, I don't. Kill your family. How do I do that? With the plutonium. Well, where do I put it? In the salad. To what end? To kill your family! Just what are you driving at? I like classic dumb Homer. Uh, like it, it like speaks of like like the, when he when they went to the witness protection program and they're, they're the Thompsons. Mm-hmm. And you know we talk a lot about when a guest uh, voice doesn't play themselves, and we like that. However, why Dave Matthews got to be in this episode? It's so weird and out of like I didn't even know that was him until the credits. I'm like, oh, Dave Matthews in this, and I was trying to think where was he because yeah. just doing a, a voice of Lloyd the bartender from the shining like this could have been anybody yeah it was weird maybe dave was just like i really want to be a voice on the simpsons and it was like harry was like well he can have that line (laughs) right i'll give that to you yeah it was weird yeah i it just it it really confused me i mean does nancy cartwright really like dmv i mean who knows you'd have to ask her yeah man hi caramba Anyway, the vacant radiation suit grabs Homer and they continue their dance, heading straight to the nuclear reactor core. Luckily, Smithers is there and he slams the door shut, saving Homer. Uh, he's going insane just to put his daughter in, in an after-school music class. Homer's beginning to think it's not worth it. Luckily for Homer, what happens on the night shift stays in the night shift. And then the head of human resources walks by and it's an axe-wielding Jack Torrance threatening to bash Wendy's brain in. Uh, that was a fun uh, voice. They didn't really do overdo uh, Jack Nicholson. Who yeah, that? I don't know. Yeah, that was that was good. It was yeah. you're right. It was muted. It is a little weird that they just throw in a shining reference like this. Like it's a little extended for I don't know. It just I, feels out of place, it. but I like yeah. it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine, Steve. Fine. Okay. You know, we never mentioned too that Gil works at the power plant and Homer's yeah. met Gil so many times they know each other. <laughs> at the rehearsal, Marge and Homer contemplate their future. Maggie has received a sketch in it from uh, Marge, and much to Homer's dismay, she has talent to making a recreation of the Mona Lisa on the drawing toy. And then uh, Homer shakes the sketch in it and it actually makes the last slipper. Yeah, you know, this thing too is like they've always made allude, alluded to Maggie being the most creative it's funny when you think about right. the future episodes of the simpsons where lisa doesn't really pursue her music career and maggie's the one who does because maggie like in the future yeah, it episodes, is funny comes a pop star and a huge musical talent was it That's because right. of and yeah all lisa- of the, it's all because of like lisa's influences i'm assuming probably yeah so not only is maggie like not only living in lisa's shadow but she becomes the light and yeah. uh creates the shadow on lisa herself powerful stuff very powerful Steve. <laughs> um, thanks for bringing it up yeah thank you oh. uh so so inside, Victor watches as Lisa plays. She thinks to herself, I'm doing it. I'm going to make it. She then realizes that'll mean more practice, more driving, and more resentful looks from that baby. Maggie is her name. She's not sure what she'll do next. She hates defining moments. And then as she plays her sax, she looks at her family, then at Victor. She throws an off note, and instantly the tutor stops her, saying that she has failed. Have fun playing for nickels on the street at the corner of Good But Not Great and Disappointment Boulevard. You don't exist for me anymore. You're pretty mean for a teacher. Yeah, you should see me as a father. So, guess this is the last time we're doing this drive. Lisa, are you okay? Sure, fine. Never been better. Hmm. You weren't crazy enough to fail on purpose just to make life better for the rest of us? I'm fine. Probably if I'd gotten it, all that work would have killed my love for music. Or I think you would have gotten better and loved it more. Oh, I know I loved that. And I love that I drove you to violence. (laughs) Don't make me come back there. You wouldn't fit, Fatso. Oh, wouldn't I? (laughs) 
<laughs> Maggie, are we good? Oh, wow. Oh, lots to unload on that clip, Steve. That's true. <laughs> um, so Jay, Jonah Jameson, uh, he says, if you're mean, you see my kids. What's that imply, Steve? Uh, that he beats his children. Oh, okay. Yeah, I assume. That's all I got from it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the uh, the nickels and loser street. Um, but, you know, at the end of that clip, uh, Maggie offers something to Lisa. And it's another masterpiece uh, on her sketch and etch. Uh, this time, it's uh, Da Vinci's Vitruvian Man with uh, Lisa in place of the nude male. In her several arms, she is holding a broccoli spear, a report card with all A's, a saxophone, and a note that says, <laughs> you are Lisa Simpson. <laughs> Great callback there. It is. Well, those two hug and Maggie kisses Lisa and Marge looks on and credits roll. But the credits, they're not uh, yellow, Steve. They're white. So you know All what that right. means. That's right. Here's an extra clip for you. It's uh, the Deweys. Remember they started this episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're wrapping it up. Wrap it up, Deweys. Wrap it up. Why does this cow always smell of cheese puffs? Is someone sad snacking when he drives alone? It's not like I have anyone making me breakfast. But we're almost home, so close your eyes. There's a big surprise. Come on, close them. This is silly. Close them! Oh, petal. Surprise! <gasps> a man for me? No! I've changed the locks and I'm kicking you out. But, but, who gets Sir Winston? His name is Puccini. Very well. Puccini it is. <sighs> That's all I ever wanted. I love you! Wait, so are they broken up or...? I, I don't think so. I think that because Dewey was willing to change the name of Winston to Puccini, Dewey is happy. All right, they're married. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> uh, Steve, you've been rambling for a, a while here. Let's uh, take a break, unramble, and then come back and ramble more. Sounds like a plan. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, Steve, to this program. Let's do our wrap-up of this episode, which, of course, is uh, The Girl Stays in the Band. Is that this episode? Oh, The Girl's, girls in the Band, yeah. yeah. Girl's in the Band. And uh, we'll do our usual visual gag, something we want on a T-shirt from this episode or a tattoo, some of our favorite jokes, maybe an MVJ, and then we'll just uh, wrap it up with what we thought about this episode. Steve, let's start with uh, branded material. What do you want on a shirt from this episode? I'm looking through this episode, and I'm not seeing like a ton of visuals, but I really liked that image. I thought it was really sweet of Marge sitting on the couch with like the rest of the family on top of her. I don't know. I thought it was a sweet family moment. So that's like my runner up. But I think I just want a picture or like a tattoo of a uh, Millhouse uh, with the horn on his head. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, yeah. we, ha we have one shirt in our T public site, which is tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grunt boys. That uh, is a is a road sign that says like welcome to Springfield uh two drink minimum. Mm -hmm. And in this episode, they have another welcome to Springfield sign where it <laughs> says welcome to Springfield, come for the Wacken Day, stay for the snake chowder. And it's got a fun little you know Springfield font design there, and then a bowl of <laughs> chowder, but with dead snakes in it. <laughs> that is pretty good. I feel like maybe another welcome to Springfield for <laughs> come for the Wacken Day, stay for the snake chowder. I fun, like it. Fun visual. And then the other one for how about my tattoo? I'm going to do two. All right. That's the shirt. And then for my tattoo, I'm going to do a, a tattoo of Bart with the uh, shirt wiener. I like it. I think for like jokes, I really think it was uh, uh, J.K. Simmons. He's probably my MVJ for this episode. Hands down. I think all of his lines 
you know, especially that line at the end too. It's like, if I'm, you think I'm really mean, go see my kids. A lot of dark, a lot of dark humor in this uh, episode from him. So I think he's my MBJ. And I also enjoy the Shining homage just because I think that's more of a fan thing, which is I love that movie and people can parody it all the time. It's fun because that, you know what it does? It makes me want to go back and watch Stanley Kirby's The Shining. <laughs> right. So I enjoyed that scene. But um, yeah, I mean, Bart. Even though he wasn't as much, had some good jokes. I wonder why. <laughs> that paid the uh, writer of this episode to give him some good funnies. That's right. Um, I do agree with you completely that J.K. Simmons uh, steals the show. He is the MVJ grandpa in his one scene. That made me laugh too. Just his meandering grandpa speak. I thought he was funny too, talking to Lisa about being a burden in the family. Yeah, and it said too in the episode. I think my favorite jokes were kind of the meta jokes, like mm-hmm. you said, with like your tattoo with like Millhouse's uh horn mm-hmm. not knowing what it is and it's <laughs> not that horn steve and a reference to the uh opening credits yeah and then also the fun sign gaggage montage too where they do the exterior shot you're thinking oh it's the it's the church is like no not the church it's at the school <laughs> um so all, all, all this episode steve what did you think actually before i get to my review i know we haven't done this in a while and it was a little <laughs> long-winded but uh i want to read an external review from the international movie database entitled uh jk simmons is the best this is from uh, january 2020 that's what happens when we say 2020 uh january 23rd 2020 by Macon's film his review goes as follows jk is often good in his roles he's good here but music teacher has a weird relationship with his father other <laughs> plotline is decent what <laughs> i think that implies that uh Macken films didn't realize that dewey and dewey were lovers Oh. He assumed that it was a father and son situation, <laughs> which adds a whole nother layer to this episode. That's a little scary to think about that. Yeah, but on to my review. We both have glowing praise for J.K. Simmons. I love him as an actor, and I love him every time that he's on The Simpsons. And so he, to me, carries a lot of weight for this episode. Um, it's nice to see Nancy Cartwright write an episode <laughs> and you know hear her voice. And it's not the episode that I would expect her to write, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't know what I would expect, but you would think it'd be more Bart-centric or just maybe not Lisa-centric. But I thought that it was cool that she expressed it. The pacing was interesting. I liked the uh, kind of abnormal intro into uh, Dewey's Dream, where we saw the sweeping view of Springfield. And um, it was interesting how it transitioned from a story about Dewey, and then we just kind of passed on that and went into Lisa. All in all, though, it felt felt a little short for me. It felt a little weak. There were some fun jokes. I just wasn't as engrossed as I would want to be. Plus, I think that the both the Whiplash and Breaking Bad references felt dated even in uh, 2019, which are like five or six years after the original media. So I'm just going to have to give this uh, an M major on the scale of notes, that is. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a weird episode with... We've had it before, and we've talked about it, where it starts out, you're following it's a different set of characters, and then it goes into the actual story. Um, so it's it's an A, or it's a, starts a B story that turns into an A story. Yeah. Something like that, maybe. Because you think it's the that's going to follow Dewey, but no, because it's the Simpsons, not the Dewey-sins. That's right. Or the Largos. Or the Largos. That sounds better. <laughs> it's about them. Oh, they moved to California and run a, a, a popular comedy club <laughs> exactly the largos um the nancy cartwright I, I think it's you know you know she wanted to write probably just a lisa story so um because i think a lot of people want to write lisa stories yeah <laughs> i agree that there was just like some fun uh couple visual jokes here and there but not all out yuck yucks yeah i like the idea that 
she Lisa wants wants to sacrifice and essentially sacrifice her life for the needs. She's doing the Spock thing. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Right. Right. I don't think it was it was played as much as it, it could have been. True. There could have been more of a scene where she doesn't get the praise that well you know she's not seeking yeah I, but approval like you almost like there could have been a scene where it was um like Marge understands what she did and then like you know gives a nod of like you're a good kid <laughs> right and also Lisa didn't like she clearly enjoyed playing but it, she went from like enjoying it to guilt so quickly that the emotional stake of her giving up her dream to make her family happy wasn't quite costly enough of a sacrifice in a way right if that makes sense right thank you for putting it that way because that's uh that's how i felt too so i think if you're a simpsons purist i would just watch it because it's nancy wrote it Mm -hmm. in that in that vein you know but if you're just watching it if you're just scrolling through disney plus or it's on fxx or whatever i think it'd be a skip for me you know nancy carwright was on an episode of cheers did you know that steve i did not know that yeah it was a season four episode five called diane's nightmare in the overall run of cheers it was the 74th episode so Mm -hmm. out of 74 i'll give this episode uh 37 Uh, that's uh kind of what i was expecting (laughs) yeah i think we're kind of in the same uh ballpark it's uh it's funny how we've been watching uh earlier episodes in our allowed uh, seasons and we've really enjoyed them. And here we have a more recent episode and it just didn't quite hit for us. And, you know, we try not to be biased or like, you know, put our nostalgia goggles on too much. And so I wonder if this is just a a miss in the season or if uh, we're just not good at reviewing things. Well, see, there's one way to find out. What's that, Craig? You find out what we're watching next week. And to do that, we need our good old fashioned wheel of random. Let's give it a spin to see what season we're in. We have season 27. Season 27. All right, let's give that wheel a spin to see which episode we are watching. Episode 15. Season 27, episode 15. Why, that's Lisa the Vegetarian. I'm sorry, say that again? Why, that's Lisa the Veterinarian. There what we go. What happens, Craig? I will enjoy watching Lisa the Vegetarian, but we're not allowed to, Steve. That's right. So after performing CPR on a tased raccoon, Lisa discovers her calling to be a veterinarian and becomes an intern at the local office, but learns a tough lesson when she's neglected her class. Hamster has died. Oh, no. And then I guess in the B story, Marge moonlights as a crime scene cleaner for all extra money. And the trauma of the gory scenes make her uh, increasingly dead inside. Sounds like fun. <laughs> Fun callback, though, but uh, Michael York is a guest star. We've heard his oh, voice yeah. recent episodes. Also, uh, another Bill Plimpton spoilers, Couch Gag. That's fun. And, you know, is Raccoon the new Jesus? Because we had a raccoon in this episode, you know, Homer talking about oh. the cartoon raccoon, <laughs> which actually would be a good t-shirt, too, whatever that drawing means. <laughs> and uh, here we have a tased raccoon. So, yay, raccoons. And it's not that older of an episode. It's from 2016. So maybe we'll 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 think different of it. Yeah. Um, but it was written by Dan Weber, directed by Stephen Dean Moore. All righty. Uh, Craig, do you remember this episode? Not at all, Steve. Neither do I. Well, I look forward to watching it and talking about it with you. Before you watch the episode, go to our T Public site, 
which is tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grump boys for some merch. And you can contact us on social media like Twitter and Instagram at 138Simpsons. And you can always email us at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. And if you're so kind, go to your favorite pod catching app and leave us five stars or the equivalent thereof and uh, write a review. But it doesn't need to be an actual like review. You don't need to judge us. Stop judging us. Uh, you can just uh, write us a question, write some gibberish, or write your favorite fake notes. All right. For this week, I've been half an annoyed grunt boy, Craig. And I've been your other half annoyed grunt boy, Steve. And remember, keep reaching for the skis. If it's sticky, spill it. Make a shirt tail wiener. (laughs) 